Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 6. Today I will be discussing chapter 7 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Sorting Hat. And before I get into the actual episode content, I actually have some Harry Potter news to share. So I live in Arizona. This is where I podcast from and there's a lot of Harkins theaters out here. And from August 27th until September 23rd, they are showing Harry Potter movies in their theaters for only $5. And I, once I saw this, I was absolutely so excited because I went to go see Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings because I love Marvel as well. And I was in line for my popcorn and I saw like on the screens behind the concessions, they had like their current stuff going and they are going to show Harry Potter movies. So I only have about 20, a little bit less than 20 days now to catch all of them, but they kind of show randomly at some times. In fact, so I saw Shang-Chi last night and I was going to see Prisoner of Azkaban today because that's what they were showing at 3.40 and I went to go donate plasma as I do kind of frequently, and I actually ended up fainting after this plasma donation. So it was embarrassing, fainting in public. I don't recommend it. Just in general, try not to faint. It's It was rough. So long story short, I missed my Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban showing. And I was really excited to see Prisoner of Azkaban because I was really young when the first few Harry Potter movies came out. The earliest one I can actually remember seeing in theaters is Goblet of Fire. I was seven years old. I went to opening night with my mom. We went and it was late and we took, my sister was about three at the time, almost four. We took her to, like, we were so excited. She fell asleep, of course, but I was awake. I was watching Goblet of Fire and Goblet of Fire is honestly probably my favorite movie, even though it is really different from the book. It's just really special to me and I love it and I think it part of it is because that's like the earliest I can remember seeing in theaters it's really cool so I was gonna see Prisoner of Azkaban in theaters and it would be the only time I would remember it was today so unfortunately I didn't get to see it because of my little fainting spell but I do want to go see Goblet of Fire tomorrow and I'm just really excited to go into theaters and see Harry Potter like it's been so long when those movies came out when I was older and I was able to remember all this too after Goblet of Fire, of course, I saw each movie multiple times in theaters. I remember when Deathly Hallows Part 1 came out, I saw it twice in one day, twice on opening day. Like I saw it right after school. I went to go get dinner, went back into the exact same theater and saw it again. Like I, and I saw it, I don't know how many more times after that. I literally love these movies, this series. And of course, that is why I'm doing this podcast. So that was just a little bit of fun Harry Potter news. And before I get into the brief summary from last chapter slash episode, I did want to say thank you so much so far for everyone who has supported me in this podcast, follow my social medias, to the two people that continue to answer my questions on the Google Doc. That means a lot. And just thank you for listening and just continue to spread the word, please, and subscribe, of course. Once again, if you'd like to contact me, my email is the heiress of Slytherin podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter is at Slytherin pod. Facebook page is the heiress of Slytherin podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, anchor, radio, public breaker, and pocket casts. And if you're able to, you can make a small monthly contribution so that I can continue to create new content for this podcast. 
Okay, so this is another really big and fun chapter. It is really important because the sorting ceremony is just a huge event in the lives of all Hogwarts students. You find out which house you're truly placed into. You can make assumptions and guesses before, but once that hat is on your head and it yells out the house you're sorted into, that's when you really know. And it's really cool. So super fun episode. And just a little brief summary. Last chapter was the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Harry boarded the Hogwarts Express for the very first time to head to this magical place and he met some new people, including Ron and Hermione, who, of course, you know, become his best friends. And he also meets a lot of Ron's brothers, so a lot of the Weasley family, including his future wife, Ron's little sister. And he met some other classmates, such as Neville, Lee Jordan, and he officially met Malfoy, learned his name, and also Malfoy's friends, Crabbe and Goyle. And, you know, can already tell that they not great guys at all. And they... Learn a little bit more about Hogwarts on the train. Hermione gives a little bit of info. But also Ron is the one who tells Harry a lot about the Wizarding World, including Dumbledore and some famous wizards. And I had fun discussing that as well because you don't really hear about that unless you do some research on it. And now to get into the chapter content. So Professor McGonagall opens the door. That's how the chapter starts out, that big, huge front oak door at Hogwarts. And Harry's first thought right away is, whoa, this lady is not someone to cross. And it's true, McGonagall is a very stern character. And there's a lot of nice scenery described in this book. And also the movie, absolutely beautiful in every movie, the Hogwarts castle and just the backgrounds and everything, the scenery. But just the first time, too, it's magic and the score playing. It's really great. So as the first years enter Hogwarts, they see how the entrance hall is just this huge, grand area. And McGonagall tells them that their sorting is about to begin. And basically just kind of gives them a little bit of info of what school is going to be like for them. They'll have classes uh, with their own house. And also sometimes they'll have other houses in their class the same year, of course. So basically that means that Gryffindors can have classes with Slytherins, Ravenclaws, and Hufflepuffs, or just Hufflepuffs. It kind of depends on how the schedule works. But basically they will have those classes with their houses and others and then sleep in their house dormitory. And each house has its own history and their own founders. And each house can earn and lose points according to what its members do. So if they're causing mayhem, getting into trouble, they're going to be losing points for their house. And if they're doing great things, answer questions right from professors, things like that, they're going to gain points. And at the end of the year, whoever has the most points gets the house cup, and that's a great honor. And Ron tells Harry that his older brothers have told him that the sorting ceremony is some sort of test. And... Of course, everybody's nervous. Harry is just super nervous because, of course, he already had his doubts coming in. He wasn't sure what he would be able to even accomplish, even though he supposedly did this great, huge thing in the Wizarding World when he was young, defeated Voldemort. But he's nervous, and so are the rest of the first years. No idea what the test is. And Hermione is just whispering fast about all the spells she's learned and which one she thinks she might need. Because she's already read so much about Hogwarts and Hogwarts of history and just about magic in general and all her other textbooks for background reading. 
then all of a sudden ghosts start flying in and the one that is first mentioned is the friar and so in addition to each house having their own founders and history and just things like that they also have their own ghosts now the Hufflepuff ghost is called the Fat Friar, and this is the ghost that we are seeing right now. And so he's talking to somebody about Peeves. And Peeves is basically like the poltergeist of Hogwarts. He is just completely always causing mayhem, especially for a few people in particular, and he likes he just likes causing trouble, and we'll see a lot more of him. Those of you who have only seen the movies are not going to know who Peeves is. He is only in the books. And as I was saying, the Fat Friar is the ghost of Hufflepuff House. So when he was living, he had achievements in magical healing, and he was really a charitable spirit. And so this is demonstrated right away, right off the bat. When Harry first encounters him, he is making the case to other ghosts that he should be forgiven for the trouble that he's caused. So, of course, that's a trait of Hufflepuff's, very fair, patient, and they're very much about giving people second chances and kind of benefit of the doubt. And this is what the Fat Friar, the ghost of Hufflepuff House, is demonstrating. And he's really cheerful and he's just a friendly spirit. And when he was alive, he was really well known, of course, like I said, his magical healing abilities. And he was curing peasants of the pox simply with poking by poking them with a stick. Of course, these peasants were muggles and the stick was a wand. So he had pretty unorthodox uh, medical practices for those times. Uh, he even pulled rabbits out of um, hats. And apparently he pulled a rabbit out of a communion cup and that got him executed. And that is why he is now dead. And I want to talk a little bit about the other ghosts of the other houses. And I'm not going to go into too, too much detail because I will be doing an episode on ghosts. But for Gryffindor, the full name of the ghost is Sir Nicholas de Mimsy Porpington, and he goes by nearly headless Nick. And he is nearly headless because he is not completely decapitated. He was executed as well, just like the Fat Friar, not for the same reasons. But he only has about half an inch of skin. That's what his head is hanging from. So nearly headless Nick, of course. But since he is not completely headless, it's not enough for him to join the headless hunt. And that is something that comes up in the next book and I'll also talk about during the ghosts episode. The ghost of Ravenclaw is called the Grey Lady and it's actually Helena Ravenclaw, who is the daughter of Rowena Ravenclaw, one of the founders of Hogwarts and of course the founder of the Ravenclaw house. And she actually is somebody who is one of those types of characters in the series that has what seems like a small role, but it's something that they did in the past that just completely changed everything. If they hadn't done this thing, it would have completely changed the course of events in the books. So it's really interesting. But overall, she basically steals her mother's magical diadem. And she tells Tom Riddle, who is Voldemort, where she hides it. He turns it into a horcrux. And she was also killed by the Bloody Baron, who is the ghost of Slytherin House. So this girl is just living out eternity as a ghost for Ravenclaw House. And her murderer is right there, too, just being the ghost for Slytherin House. And I don't think that's really talked about enough how just wrong that is. 
So that brings me to the Bloody Baron, who, of course, ghost of Slytherin House. So him and Helena Ravenclaw, they were amongst some of the first people, some the first like classes of students to attend Hogwarts, the first generation. And he fell in love with Helena Ravenclaw, the Grey Lady, the Ghost of Ravenclaw Tower now. And so, of course, da- daughter of Rowena Ravenclaw. And Rowena Ravenclaw, she found out that her daughter, Helena, had fled. She fled to Albania with her magical diadem. And she asked the Baron to persuade her daughter to come home. Helena refused. And she also refused, like, his uh, romantic advances. So he killed her and then killed himself. So it's just kind of, it's just messed up. All sorts of messed up. But it makes an interesting story here for sure. But it's also, it's just something that's not mentioned much at all. So it's like this little course of events. So it's like the Bloody Baron hadn't killed her and she hadn't become a ghost. She might have not become a ghost maybe later on in her life if she died later on. But at this point in her life, she did become a ghost and she was there for centuries. And eventually she did meet Voldemort and then he knew where to get the diadem. Like it's a whole chain of events that the Bloody Baron hadn't fallen in love with her and killed her. It's really cool kind of how it's just this chain reaction almost. Like if this didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened either. And the next thing about him that I want to mention is that he is able to control Peeves, which is the poltergeist that the fat friar goes to Hufflepuff house is actually telling the other ghosts like, oh, it's okay. Let's give him a chance. Like after centuries. So Bloody Baron's the only one that can control him. And so that's kind of my wrap up on ghosts for now, but that will be coming up at some point in another episode because it is really interesting. So the first years are entering the Great Hall for the first time. And the Great Hall is where they have all their meals. And it is just huge, grand, and beautiful. And the ceiling above is bewitched to look like the sky outside. And right now it's described as a velvet, velvety black. And I just think that sounds so cool. I just can just imagine like how it looks. And the movies, of course, it looks great too. But just the magic of entering for the first time, like I just want it to happen to me so bad. And Hermione is actually the one that's whispering as they're walking in, saying that she read all about it in Hogwarts history, that the ceiling is bewitched to look like the sky outside. So McGonagall puts a patched, frayed, and extremely dirty hat on the stool up front. And I think it's absolutely hilarious that Harry sees it and thinks that the sorting ceremony test might be that they have to try and get a rabbit out of the hat. Because he was raised by Muggles, that is honestly the probably the most Muggle like seeming thing. Like you just see a hat, you're like, okay, that might be my test. I have to get a rap out of it because that's how, quote unquote, magic like fake magic is what Muggles do. And something else that is also crossing my mind is that like Ron had no idea what the test would be for the sorting ceremony, even though his parents and all his older brothers did go through it. And Hermione didn't know either because if it was explained in Hogwarts history, the sorting ceremony, she would have known right away and she would have been talking about it. So I think it's interesting that's almost like not really kept a secret, but at the same time kind of kept a secret. Like I'm sure some parents and siblings will tell their younger siblings what the test is, but for the majority it's or for the most part, it seems like they don't really know. So I think it's interesting. And then suddenly the hat breaks into song. I'm not going to sing it, but I do want to read the lines about what it says about the houses. So the lyrics are, you might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. 
Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. So that's like a big description of Gryffindor House. Then it's you might belong in Hufflepuff where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. And they where they are just and loyal. We just saw the fat fire display that with telling the other ghosts like to give Peeves a chance. And then the next part is or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Next we have, or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folk use any means to achieve their ends. So, and then basically the hat, the rest of the lyrics are just saying that you'll put, like, you'll put the hat on your head and it'll decide your house. And so this is every, this is the fountain, this belonged to Godric Gryffindor, actually, this hat and all of the founders, so Godric Gryffindor, Rowena Ravenclaw, Salazar Slytherin, and Helga Hufflepuff, who were the founders of Hogwarts and those individual four houses, all enchanted this hat so that once someone put it on their head, whichever traits that of the house that it best belonged to, that's where it was sorted into. And throughout the centuries, there have been so many famous wizards who have worn this hat and got sorted, so it's pretty cool. So everybody relaxes a little bit once they see that you just put the hat on your head. And Ron is relieved. He said that the twins were saying that it was a really hard test, of course, just messing with him. And Harry, they're all nervous still, though. Harry really wishes that he didn't have to try it on in front of everybody. And I understand him completely. I wish that you were just in a room alone or maybe with just like McGonagall or Dumbledore, just somebody or even just all four heads of houses just so... You didn't have to do it in front of the whole school. Like, I feel for Harry. I would not want to do that in front of everybody either. And now the sorting ceremony begins. So I don't really want to read every single name off. These characters are going to come up throughout the books. And I will be talking about them at a later point. But I only want to briefly mention mostly just their names and the houses they're sorted into. Because I will be talking about it later point. So... The very, of course, again, these are all Harry's classmates because it's all first years. They're not all going to be in his in his house because there's only four houses that they're divided into. But they are his classmates. They're all in his year, his grade year. First one is Hannah Abbott. She is sorted into Hufflepuff. Then we have Susan Bones and other Hufflepuff. Terry Boot, Ravenclaw, Mandy Brocklehurst, Ravenclaw, Lavender Brown is the first Gryffindor. Millicent Bulstrode is a Slytherin. And also, too, of course, is Harry's perspective in the books we're reading, but right away, another indication that Harry, it says, after all he'd heard about Slytherin, he thought they looked like an unpleasant lot. Like, he, maybe it was just his imagination, but they look unpleasant to him. So it's another indication. And, of course, in the Sorting Hat song, just because it has all these traits for each house doesn't mean each member of that house lists all those traits. Later on in the series, Dumbledore even says, like, sometimes I think we sort too early. And I say later on because it's in the seventh book, but it's actually happening kind of around this time because it's going back into Snape's memories. It's just Harry's not seeing them until six years later. And then the next student we have is Justin Finch Fletchley, and he is sorted into Hufflepuff. And I want to make note how it says here that about Harry, he was starting to feel definitely sick now. 
He remembered being picked for teams during gym at his old school. He had always been last to be chosen, not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley to think they liked him. And because Dudley's a bully and they don't want to be bullied by Dudley. So, of course, Dudley, just another example, he's just absolutely the worst, terrible character. His, the jerseys are just awful. But also, I think it's a nice little almost hint that it's saying not because he was no good. So, Harry's already, like, he's a bit athletic. He's kind of, he's active, I guess, in some ways. Of course, he's fast having to run from Dudley and bullies and stuff like that. But it's not like when he is doing Quidditch later in the books for the very first time, it's not like, oh, all of a sudden he's so athletic. Like, no, he, this is the very first indication, I think, of not because he was no good, we're learning. He's, he's good at stuff, but we don't, he never really got to explore anything as a kid, at least up until this point. And as the sorting ceremony is going on, of course, it's in alphabetical order. So last names, um, alphabetical order. So Harry is seeing that some, for some students right away, it shouts out the house. Others, it takes a little bit longer to decide. So the next one is Seamus Finnegan. He is sorted into Gryffindor. And the next one is Hermione Granger. And it says Hermione almost ran to the stool <laughs> and jammed the hat eagerly on her head. And she was sorted into Gryffindor and Ron grown because remember last chapter he said whatever house she's in, I hope I'm not in it. And he figured he might be Gryffindor because his whole family is. So, you know, just kind of figuring he's going to be in the same house as her. And then Neville Longbottom, as Harry remembers the boy who kept losing his toad, fell over on the way up to the stool. I feel so bad for him. He was sorted into Gryffindor. And so then after him, there's someone called Morak McDougall. But I want to mention here that it says the hat took a long time to decide with Neville. And it also took a while to decide with Hermione. Now, there is a term in Harry Potter which is called a hat stall. And that is when the sorting hat takes longer than five minutes to sort someone. This is super rare. It usually happens only once every 50 years. It doesn't happen often because it is really rare. But... Hermione and Neville were not hat stalls because the hat didn't take longer than five minutes, but they did come very close. So it took about four minutes to decide whether Hermione should be in Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. And then for Neville, the hat really wanted to place him into Gryffindor, but Neville was just kind of thinking like, no, like Hufflepuff. And eventually the hat sorted both of them into Gryffindor and not into Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. And so the only actual hat stalls that took longer than five minutes that Harry knows personally are McGonagall and Pettigrew. So it took over five minutes to decide between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor for McGonagall. It went with Gryffindor, of course. She's the head of Gryffindor house. And then for Peter Pettigrew, this is, of course, the man who betrayed Harry's parents of Voldemort. And he is also, right now, in the Great Hall, he is Scabbers. He is the he is in the rat form because he's an animagus it's so messed up that he's just hanging around there but it did take longer than five minutes because it was going to sort him into either slytherin or gryffindor and eventually went with gryffindor and pretty much made the wrong choice of course because he does have slytherin qualities and probably not many gryffindor qualities but you know he was became a death eater and he really did make terrible choices later on in his life the next student up is Draco Malfoy. And right away it says the hat barely touched his head when it screamed Slytherin. And this is, a, this is completely correct. 
So he is joining Crab and Goyle because they already got sorted into Slytherin as well. And the next people we have are Moon, Knott, Parkinson. There's two twins. Uh, their last name is Patil. It's Padma Vivarti. One gets sorted into Gryffindor, the other into Ravenclaw. So if you see the movies and you see the twins, they look like they're both in the same house. No, one's Ravenclaw, one's Gryffindor. And then we have Sally Ann Perks. And then all of a sudden, we're getting further into peas. And Harry Potter is called up. And right away, all these whispers, like, break out all over the Great Hall. Like, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter. So, of course, Harry, just everybody already staring at him with even more interest now. And so, I love the dialogue that the hat does. And in the movie, it's done really well, too. Just difficult, very difficult. Because um, Harry's just thinking to himself, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And then the same dialogue in the movie, not Slytherin, eh? Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head. And Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness, no doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor. So, it's the same, they use the same lines um, in the movie, and it's just great. I love that scene. And he didn't even notice that he was getting the loudest cheer yet out of all the students in the, in the Great Hall. And he was just so glad he wasn't put into Slytherin. But the hat was going to put him into Slytherin. And I want to talk about this because he'll learn in the second book in Chamber of Secrets, the next book, when he actually talks to the Sorting Hat again, the Sorting Hat tells him like, yeah, you should have been in Slytherin. And so this is the part of Voldemort that is living in Harry in the Horcrux. That is, that's, it's living in Harry. And same with his wand. The, it was the, like the brother, basically of Voldemort's wand. It was recognizing Voldemort in him. So, same reason Harry can talk to snakes. That's Voldemort's in him. That's the Horcrux. And so, I'm not saying that Harry's 100% uh, Gryffindor, but I, I 100% do believe that that is his true house. Just like everyone might demonstrate certain traits of other houses, but they're in they're only in one house, obviously. Or some wizards like Voldemort only display traits from one house. Like it just. It, it varies, of course, but Harry is a true Gryffindor, I believe. And so after Harry gets sorted, he walks on over to the Gryffindor table and it says Percy the Prefect because that's what he is. Percy gets up and shakes his hand and the Weasley twins are all excited, yelling that we got Potter. And of course, the Gryffindor is just completely excited because they got a famous wizard. That's who is in their house. And so now he can see the high table. And the high table is where the faculty sit. So the professors, Albus Dumbledore, he's just in a large gold chair, kind of in the middle. And Harry recognizes him because of the chocolate frog card he saw on the train earlier in the day. And it says that Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing in the whole hall that shone as brightly as the ghosts. So, of course, Hagrid's sitting there, too. He knows Hagrid. He recognizes him clearly. But he also recognizes Professor, Professor Quirrell, who he saw in Diagon Alley. That's who he met on his birthday when uh, him and Hagrid walked through the Leaky Cauldron. He was the one that was like stuttery and timid and all that. And so I want to mention this right now. It says he was looking very peculiar in a large purple turban. This is the first time we're hearing about this large purple turban. And sometimes if you're only familiar with the movies, you're going to think that Coral was wearing the turban like the entire time, like from the very first time Harry met him. That is not the case. 
he has a turban on now. That's like a different characteristic of him. He's actually wearing that now. When Harry met him on his birthday in Diagon Alley, remember, someone tried to steal something from Gringotts. And we know that that something was the Sorcerer's Stone. And we know that the someone who was trying to steal it was Quirrell because he did. He is, in fact, working for Voldemort right now. Not really a full-fledged Death Eater, but Voldemort was so mad and disappointed that he was unsuccessful in stealing the stone that he decided to possess him. And, of course, in the movie, you'll remember he's on the back of his head, and that is what the turban is covering. And so Voldemort possessed him because that's pretty much all Voldemort was able to do, really. He had to live... I mean, he was he was re- he wasn't really alive, but his existence, I guess, was he was possessing snakes mostly. So he was able to possess full coral in a way by going onto the back of his head. It's just kind of sharing the body with him. It's his face. But I did want to mention that detail that he's now wearing a large purple turban. That is a punishment from Voldemort. That that is I can't trust you to do anything right. I need a go on the back of your head to keep an eye on you and give you better guidance like this while you're at Hogwarts. It's not his excuse of like, oh yeah, someone gave it to me to ward off vampires. Like, no, it is very much hiding Voldemort or at least whatever Voldemort is right now. And Harry waits for the rest of the students to get called. And I think it's so cute. It says that he crosses his fingers underneath the table as Ron's name is getting called because he made friends with Ron, Ron on the train. He wants him to be in Gryffindor as well with him and the rest of his brothers. And I think it's an interesting kind of like Marvel what if, like cinematic universe type thing. What if Ron ended up not getting sorted into into Gryffindor? He was the only Weasley to be in a different house. Like, do you think Harry and him would still make an effort to be friends and hang out? I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting to think about. And before Ron was sorted due to alphabetical order, we have Dean Thomas, who was sorted into Gryffindor. And then we have Lisa Turpin, who was sorted into Ravenclaw. And then last is Blaze Zambini. He is made a Slytherin. And I don't want to talk too much about individuals, like I said before, but Blaze... um, I think that his is kind of like a cool little interesting fact about him. His mom was is married seven times seven is a magical number and of course like her being married seven times like her her husbands keep dying like what's going on it's kind of made her a little bit infamous and also dean thomas his story i think it's incredible and it's something that really if you just see the movies you're not gonna know because he's very much a background character in the books and but especially in the movies and the books we get a lot more from for these characters But Dean's story, I think, is really remarkable as well. And I'll definitely probably be doing a whole episode on that because I enjoy it so much. And it's just, it adds a lot to the overall story. So the actual feast is about to begin. And I do want to say what Dumbledore says here. He says, welcome. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nidwid, blubber, oddment, tweak. Then he sits back down, everybody's clapping and cheering, and then the plates fill up with food. Now, Nitwit Blubber Oddment Tweak is a popular Dumbledore quote among the fandom, and no one really knows what it means. It's just a really, just a source of curiosity. And so I do want to read a little bit what thewizardingworld.com says about it. And basically, 
all it says is that for years, the world's greatest scientists and linguists have been trying to figure out what on earth the headmaster was on about, but it still makes completely no sense at all. And so there's some theories about how it might be foreshadowing later books. So nitwit means adapt person. Blubber means extra fat. Oddment means a portion of cut off fabric. And tweak means to slightly adjust something. And so it still doesn't really make sense. So maybe I'll try um, to kind of think of stuff every week, like maybe once a week or something like that. Just try to think of like what those words could somehow be foreshadowing something or giving a clue about something in Voldemort's life. And I definitely meant to say Dumbledore, not Voldemort. But hey, maybe it's giving some clues about Voldemort as well. Anyways, uh, so Harry, it says Harry didn't know whether to laugh or not. And he asks Percy, like, is he a bit mad? And mad, said Percy airily, he's a genius. Best wizard in the world. But is he a bit mad? Yes. Potatoes, Harry. So, of course, the plates filled up with food. And Harry had never seen so many things he liked to eat on one table. There's roast beef. There's roast chicken. Pork chops. Lamb chops. Sausages. Bacon. Steak. Boiled potatoes. Roast potatoes. Fries. Yorkshire pudding. Peas. Carrots. Gravy. Ketchup. And peppermint humbugs. So... It's, this is more food at one meal than Harry's seen in his life, at least that he can eat. It says the Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry, but he'd never been allowed to eat as much as he liked because Dudley always took everything that Harry wanted, even if it made him sick. So, and it, it says that Harry piled a bit of everything onto his, his plate except the peppermints <laughs> and everything was delicious. So that's another indication, like they hadn't, really starved Harry but wait till you go home again like just you'll see Harry gets starved for sure and then as Harry's eating there's a ghost next to him and says wow that looks really good I haven't eaten for about 400 years and so he introduces himself as Sir Nicholas of Mimsy Porpington of course the ghost of Gryffindor Tower like I had explained a little bit then there's that whole nearly headless conversation it explains well I'm not completely headless and he shows them he pulls his head off only to the half inch where it will hang on and so then here he explains that um the bloody baron is a slytherin ghost and he is just so unbearable because slytherin has won the house cup for six years in a row there's very much a lot of house pride going on with that and other houses want that glory they want to feel that pride for their house so nick nearly headless nick is like okay we got new gryffindors like you got to help us win the champion house championship cup this year and in my head canon i think it's so cool because like imagine once you graduate hogwarts like you're gonna you're working in the ministry of magic you're keeping in touch with your uh alumni you're just eventually going to see people that you went to school with you grow up with them you work with them later on whatever happens like imagine all the house pride like oh yeah we beat you in quidditch more times or we won the house cup more time just things like that like there's very much like my head canning like there's a lot of house pride going on and i think it's really fun and so harry's getting full but all of a sudden desserts appear and it's blocks of ice cream in every flavor you could think of apple pies truckle tarts chocolate eclairs and jam donuts trifle strawberries jello rice pudding there is so much and so the conversation are just going of course and Seamus is talking Seamus Finnegan and he is saying that he's half and half his dad's a muggle mom's a witch and of course this quote in the movies he delivers it so well it's really funny and then I want to talk about what Neville tells his classmates. 
he tells him that well my grandma is the one who like raised me she brought me up she's a witch and his whole family is are witches and wizards of course remember longbottom his last name was one of the pure blood names on the sacred 28 the list of like the original like 28 pure blood names but his whole family thought that he was all muggle for ages and this means squib not that he was a muggle but he was born into a wizarding family with no magical powers and we are encountering two already in this series not necessarily personally but we've heard about one arabella fig she is the dursley's neighbor and if you remember in earlier in this book on dudley's birthday she broke her leg so she wasn't able to babysit harry and that's why they had to take him to the zoo with him with them for dudley's birthday because they couldn't find a replacement babysitter then the second one is argus filch who we'll be meeting in a few pages so as neville is kind of explaining his family of course they thought he was a squid basically just no magic for ages and his great uncle Algie actually was the one who kept trying to catch him off guard and try to force some magic out of him and one time he even ended up pushing him off the end of Blackpool Pier once and he nearly drowned but nothing happened until he was eight years old so of course like Harry had some magical moments like of course we uh, talked about him running away from bullies and ending up on the roof of the school or his hair growing back overnight like just things like that it's like these young wizards those who have magic will demonstrate uh little signs of it and so neville had none until he was about eight and that same great uncle algie was hanging him through an upstairs window by the ankles and he accidentally let go because he was offered a meringue but he bounced all the way down into the garden and into the road. And if he was non-magical, he would have died. That would have killed him. But everyone was so happy, especially his grandma, because they realized that man, he was a wizard. He did have magic. And especially his parents were great aurors, which were dark wizard catchers. They were great wizards. Well, witch and wizard, they were great. So he had have had a lot to live up to. And his family, I think they really unfairly put that pressure on him. But... Either way, he makes them proud later, he helps save the wizarding world, and he ended up being a wizard, clearly. And this great uncle Algie of Neville is actually the one who bought him Trevor his toad before he went to Hogwarts, so. Another one of the conversations that's going on is Hermione talking to Percy. She's saying that she's just so excited to start learning, she wants to start um, learning right away, she hopes that the teachers just go right into the spells and magic and all that and she says that she's really interested into interested in transfiguration and so harry just he's pretty content he's starting to, he's getting a little warm and sleepy he sees hagrid he looks about the high table he sees hagrid and he sees professor mcgonagall in conversation with professor dumbledore professor quirrell and his absurd turban is what it says It says he's talking to a teacher with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, and sallow skin. And this is none other than Professor Severus Snape. Huge character. Very controversial character as well in this series. And it says it happened very suddenly. The hooked nose teacher looked past Quirrell's turban straight into Harry's eyes and a sharp hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. And it hurts Harry. He says, ouch. And then Percy's like, well, what is it? 
and then he asks Harry's like, oh, nothing, because it, it had gone just as quickly as it had come. And so he tries to shake it off, and he asks Percy, who's that teacher talking to Quirrell? And he says that it's Professor Snape. And he says that he teaches potions, but he doesn't want to. Everyone knows he's after Quirrell's job, knows an awful lot about the dark arts, Snape. And here we learn um, a, a lot that will come up later in the series as well, just in different occasions and chapters of different characters. So we know that Snape, so it's common knowledge to the students of Hogwarts that Snape has wanted to teach defense against the dark arts, but Dumbledore doesn't let him. He's after that job, but Coral has it right now. We also know that Snape's um, intimidating and it's because Percy says, no wonder he looks so nervous. That's Professor Snape when like he's looking at Coral, like, yeah, he's even more nervous than usual. He's probably scared to talk to Snape. And it's also the very first time that Harry and Snape really just, they just look at each other, look into each other's eyes. And it's probably the first time that, it's the first time Harry notices him. And it's the first time that Snape really gets a good look at him. Of course, he was sitting at the high table when he got sorted and he looked at Harry, but now he's really looking at him. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, Snape, it's probably really hard for Snape to see Harry because he loved his mother and he was devastated when she died, so much so that he turned over to the good side. Well, even before she died, he turned over to the good side. He decided he was going to be a spy because he didn't want Harry's mother to die because he loved her so much. And he hated, absolutely loathed Harry's dad. And Harry is described throughout the books to look exactly like his dad. So I'm sure seeing Harry for the first time, Snape was probably, you know, he was not happy, probably had some PTSD, a lot of emotions really just like hitting him at once. And also, of course, we I just read about how Harry's scar hurt. And so it's important to, of course, I'll reread the sentence. The hook-nosed teacher looked past Quirrell's turban straight into Harry's eyes and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. It is a inter it's interesting how it kind of seems like Snape looked at him. That's the source of pain. That That's why his scar is hurting. It's actually because Quirrell's turban is like turned to Harry, like the back of it that we know who's hiding under that it's Voldemort like that is what's causing Harry Scar to hurt this is the first time that I guess Voldemort is like like I don't know if he can even really see through the turban it's not that but it's it's that first type of interaction or encounter between these two wizards between Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort it's the first time in all these years so it's a little bit subtle but it in the long run it's like wow that was a big clue and at the end of dessert, Dumbledore addresses the hall with rules. And he seems to really be uh, looking at the Weasley twins like, hey, twins, I'm looking at you. But basically the rules, some of them are that the first years, the forest on the grounds is forbidden to all pupils. And he also says Mr. Filch wants to remind them that no magic should be used between classes in the corridors. And I have some thoughts on this. So... Mr. Filch, I just mentioned him a few minutes ago, Argus Filch, he is a squib. He comes from a wizarding family and he himself does not have magical powers. Of course, that is probably the most heartbreaking and just sad thing that could happen to someone who's born into a wizarding family. Of course, there's other tragedies, but someone whose whole family is wizards and you're just not, you have no magic, you're pretty much a muggle, like that's hard. And it's the complete opposite of how extraordinary it is for muggle-borns born into families with no magic and they end up being magical 
So since Dumbledore does say Mr. Filch wants to remind you like about this rule, no magic should be used between classes in the corridors. And I think it's kind of ridiculous like that. It's, so it's Filch saying this. Maybe it's like just a general rule in general. But Filch is the one saying it and he is also the one who has no magic. Like, is he really the only one that's enforcing it? Of course, you can't just be doing magic willy-nilly all the time. But, you know, if you're, you're learning magic, you're here to improve it and you're here to just expand upon your skills. Like, you can practice magic, practice your spells for homework and things like that. But maybe it also might just be as simple as like we don't want mayhem and kids practicing spells they're not gonna know every spell master every spell there's gonna it could cause more trouble like i understand that perspective as well but it also might be because filch is bitter about not having magic himself the next uh announcement is that quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term you can contact madam hooch if you're interested and then Dumbledore says and finally i must tell you that this year the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd, because he usually gives us a reason why we're not allowed to go somewhere. The forest full of dangerous beasts. Everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects, at least. So, of course, Percy thinks since he's a prefect, he should just know so much. And Dumbledore doesn't tell them. Only some of the staff know. And it is off out of bounds, the third floor corridor, because that is where the Sorcerer's Stone is hidden. And Fluffy, the three-headed dog, is the one guarding it. He is a dangerous creature. But you need something serious, something dangerous to guard such a magical such a powerful object so it makes sense but of course Dumbledore's not going to tell them the sorcerer's stone is hidden in this school so he's just going to tell them don't don't go in there it's out of bounds for you next Dumbledore has them sing the school song and so he tells them everyone pick their favorite tune and he gives his wand a flick and basically it's just a long golden ribbon with the lyrics on it and he says and off we go and I'm not going to sing the song, but I do like it. We really only hear it in the fourth movie, but it's fun. It's actually really cool. It's a, it's mostly a deleted scene it's, it's or in the extended versions, I guess, depending what version you're watching. But if you're watching like the theatrical or just normal DVD version, that's not extended. You're not going to see it. But of course, the movies, it's so cool when Durmstrang and Bobatons, they do their entrances and like they do the... Boba in school kind of does like some dancing, twirling stuff, and in Bo and in Durmstrang does their like marching and chanting and stuff like that. And then in the deleted scene, Dumbledore's like, "Okay, Hogwarts students, like let's entertain our guests." And it's like Hogwarts' turn to do their thing, and they sing this song. They sing Hoggy Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Hoggy Warty Hogwarts. That's the first line of the song. And the deleted scene is hilarious because it's the actor that plays Victor Crumb. Victor Crumb is looking around like, "What is this?" It's it's so funny. But, of course, everybody finishes the song at different times because Dumbledore said, just pick your favorite tune. And only the Weasley tunes were the last ones left singing along to a slow funeral march. And so, after they finished being the loudest and slowest to finish singing it, Dumbledore was one of the ones to clap the loudest. And so, he says, ah, music, a magic beyond all we do here. Because Dumbledore does like music. And now it's bedtime. So the prefects are the ones who lead the first years 
to where their not like headquarters i guess but kind of like their sections at the school like where gryffindor is in the gryffindor tower ravenclaw's in a ravenclaw tower slytherins are in the dungeons like each house has their like areas where their dorms are and their common rooms and things like that so once they get to gryffindor tower or as they're walking up the staircases there's seven floors at hogwarts so of course seven magical number and the staircases are constantly changing and moving and so the portraits are also the ones moving they're talking they're visiting other frames and this is all so new for harry and then, of course, once again, we hear mention of Peeves, but this time we actually see him. And he's just shouting at them, trying to pull pranks. Ickle firsties, because it's their first years. And then Percy threatens him by telling him the Bloody Baron, who Percy says, like, that's the only one who can control him, like I had mentioned earlier. And that makes Peeves, like, kind of like, okay, yeah, I'll stop. So the every entrance for the houses is different. For instance... Ravenclaw students have to answer a riddle before they can enter into their common room. And so for Gryffindors, it's a password. So it's a portrait of the fat lady. She's asking for the password and it's Caput Draconis. That's the current password. It changes. So it's not the same like all the time or year round or anything like that. So the Gryffindor common room is described as cozy, round room full of squishy armchairs. And I love the way it looks in the movies. I think it, it really just, just, it just, looks great percy directs the girls through one door boys through the other and so at the top of the spiral staircase it's one side is girls one side is boys obviously and there are five four poster beds and their trunks are already up there and harry's roommates are the other boys in his ear obviously for gryffindor so that is ron that's neville and that's dean thomas and seamus finnegan those are the other boys in there as well so right away they're all exhausted long exciting day harry actually ends up having a dream too and in his dream he is wearing coral's purple turban and it, the turban like a voice is coming from it it's telling him to transfer to slytherin house it's his destiny harry's telling it no and it basically just gets tighter and Malfoy's there too, laughing. Snape's there laughing, a high, cold laugh. Then all of a sudden, he has a, he sees a burst of green light. Harry wakes up, just sweating and shaking, and then the next day, he doesn't remember the dream at all. So, I think it could be pretty significant. I mean, something sinister or weird is in here, like his subconscious gut feeling, whatever it is, he's having a dream about it. Like, it's, it's weird. It's giving him weird vibes. So Voldemort, it's not a good sign. It's Voldemort on the back of his head. And he doesn't know that, but that's what it, that's what this is about. And then we have Snape there. Now, Harry hasn't spoken to Snape. He only saw Snape that one time. That was the first time he saw him. But he already got the impression that Snape did not like him. And it's true. Snape was bad to Harry, of course. He also saved him. But that's a whole other discussion for later on. And then Malfoy too, Harry doesn't like him, Malfoy doesn't like Harry, so this isn't a positive dream, this might be more like a nightmare almost, um, not so severe, but it's not a good dream. And now to just get into some questions and thoughts that my listeners had, I asked how hard do you think it was for Snape to see Harry for the first time, especially because he does look exactly like James. And Julia said that it's probably really hard for Snape to kind of process all those emotions because 
He's seeing Lily's eyes, the woman he loved, but he's also seeing James. And James treated Snape terribly, and Snape hated James. So it's a lot of mixed emotions right now for sure. I know this said that there's so much going on with Snape and his emotions, and he just automatically perceives Harry to be like his dad James. And he makes it clear throughout the series a few times that he that's exactly how he does perceive him, that he thinks he's like his dad, arrogant and... At the same time, Harry does have similarities to Lily, the woman he loved. So he's probably caught up in the middle of wanting to hate Harry and having to protect him because of Dumbledore. And it's true. Snape does protect Harry throughout the series, but he also treats him terribly. Like, it's, I mean, he had to, I guess, but at the same time, it's a bit much. And just some things to think about, just like about Hermione reading, like, do you think she practiced her spells on the train? Like, I think that'd be interesting because she knows underage magic isn't allowed. The train is different, but I know she was reading her books before she boarded the train when she was at home in the muggle world where she wasn't allowed to do magic. Julia thinks that she probably just read a lot and was confident in her magic and that she felt sure that she would be able to perform these spells well. And so just thinking too, like, once again, I just think it's so funny that Ron's brothers told him the sorting was like a test. And I don't know what would be like a fun, another fun way for students to get sorted. Originally, J.K. Rowling, the author, had some other ideas, but ultimately decided to go with this sorting hat. There's other wizarding schools around the world, too. And one of the ones that I think is really cool that isn't a sorting into different houses because not all schools have houses that are sorted into, but it's actually learning about your acceptance into the school. One of the wizarding schools will send you a dream. So you have a dream about being accepted into the school instead of the letter that Hogwarts students received by OWL. So I'll do a, a episode on wizarding schools as well and talk about the sortings and possible sortings that were almost the tests and things like that because there's it's pretty cool and that is bringing me to the end just to wrap up things a little bit i just wanted to remind everybody that if you'd like to contact me my email is the heiress of slytherin podcast at gmail.com twitter is at slytherin pod facebook page is slytherin the heiress of slytherin podcast And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. You can donate a small contribution each month as well. And if you'd like, through the Anchor website, you can also leave me voicemails or voice messages. So if you have some thoughts or questions or just want to leave a message, go ahead and do that as well. You can leave it on that website or you can email it to me and I can always play it on the podcast as well and kind of spark more discussions. So again, it would mean so much if you would subscribe, listen to my episodes and spread the word, follow the social medias and make sure you read chapter eight next week. And that episode is The Potions Master. That's the end of this week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin. I'm Mikaela. Bye.